Yeah, so I'm going to try and not remove us from where we're at now too much. Um, I do believe that what God wants to come and share is a continuation of what is busy working in your heart right now. Um, and like we've shared and like we've worshipped, can we bring our lives to a place of trusting God? And, and that's, the, that's the basis of our faith, is God. Um, the God whom we know, the God whom we love, the God who desires to make Himself known to us. And every part of your Christian walk, whether you are born again, whether you are still checking things out, whether you're not sure where you stand with God, everything in your Christian walk is a response to how you view God. And if we can trust Him, He can move. If, if we can allow our hearts to be pliable in His hands, He can do things. And I'm trusting that as we talk tonight, that some, in, some things in your heart will be stirred, some things will be challenged. Um, some of you might feel like, mm, I didn't come to hear this. Um, I buried that one very deep. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about it. Okay. You guys ready? Well, you're sitting. So, and they locked the doors at the outside as well, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So uh, we are starting with a three-week focus on a series called Being Human Again. And this is about what does it mean to be truly or fully human? What does it mean to be fully alive? Now, you can sit here and you can be breathing, but you not, might not feel fully alive. You might not feel that life is as it ought to be. Um, and one of the things that we can celebrate, maybe, of us specifically as a South African people is we're extremely adaptable. All right? We can change. Now, your life was designed to orchestrate change. Whom of you are married now? Okay? Whom of you were not married before? So there was change, right? Whom of you have children? Okay? Whom of you did not have children before? Did that change your life? Did you have to adapt again and again and again? All right? You didn't bring them tonight. We had a whole host of people willing to babysit. Um, when you pass from one season of your life to another, there is change. And guess what? We adapt. Whom of you adapt and died? No, you made it. Because you can actually change. And, and I think something that is really cool about us as South Africans is that um, we're really good with change. I mean, whatever we go through, we just adapt. Petrol price goes up. Okay. We just adapt. Um, you walk, right? Okay, you carpool. <laughs> but um, man is adaptable. And during the past two years over COVID, we were once again forced to adapt globally. We were forced to adapt. So for the first three weeks or so, how long ever that first period of lockdown was, it was heaven. Um, and you got to rest maybe a bit and all of that was great. But then after a while, you had this longing to see people again. Whom of you would still like to live in social isolation? Okay, drop that hand. <laughs> you, you will die without people, but that's next week's topic. Okay, yeah, that's Sean is preaching next week, and he has got an incredible, powerful word prepared for you. No pressure, Sean. But we were forced to change, and there again was certain things that you had to rethink or readjust in your life, but the, the one thing is that not all change is good. Not every change that we go through is good. So some of the things that we then change becomes a habit, 
but not all of those habits are necessarily good. So for some people, you would go through the COVID season, like we joked about it, like um, when the curfew was in play and it was like half past eight, it's like, oh, guys, it's so sad. We would have loved to stay all night, but we have to go home now. And now the curfew is gone and it's like, what's your excuse? (laughs) You have to be in bed by nine. Um, Yeah, sometimes we have to be in bed by nine. But not all of the things we go through are necessarily good. And whenever there's a space in your life that is not necessarily in line with how God designed it, there's a dissonance, all right? And the word dissonance just simply means that it's out of sync, it's out of tune, it's out of harmony. And I'll give you two pictures to give you a little bit of an explanation. So the one is a guitar. I was actually hoping you brought your guitar, Peter, because yours is expensive, right? But the tailor is also expensive. It is. Um, I'll, I, have a, I have a fairly decent electric guitar at home, and it is, it's, it's, it's um, what's the word, averagely expensive. Um, I don't play as much as I should, but it's a really nice guitar. And everything on that guitar can be in place. The, I could fit the best strings, um, and they could all be brand new. And, um, but if one of the six strings are not in tune with the others, then it sounds horrible, all right? Then it just doesn't work. Now, when there's a dissonance and one of the strings is not in tune with the rest, every part of the guitar can be in place, but it just doesn't sound nice. And sometimes that's where our lives can be at. Every part of your life can be in play. Like, yeah, we've, I'm married. Yeah, we've, I've got a good job and I actually enjoy my job. I've got good friends. Um, and you look at the elements of your life that's supposed to make everything work out. And you're like, just something just doesn't fit. Something just doesn't sit right. I'm not feeling that I am living my best life. And I don't believe in the prosperity side of your best life now. Um, God's purpose for your life is not to make you happy, but to make you holy for eternity's sake. But all the different elements of your life can be in play, but you still don't feel fully satisfied. You still don't feel fully alive. Or another example is you buy a brand new car and then you drive on the road and there's a rattle. Who hates that? I hate that. Like, I seriously, like... I need to find out what is wrong. Where does that rattle come from? And now you've got this brand new car, but there's a rattle. (laughs) And you have to figure out where does it come from? Does it still take you from point A to B? Yeah. It does all of the things it should do, but something in that ride is not as enjoyable as it should be because there's a rattle, a vibration that shouldn't be there. And sometimes we can find our lives there, that there's a dissonance between us and God And then there's that vibration, that friction, because everything is not as it should be. Now, maybe you sit here today and your guitar is pretty decent, but some of the strings are just out of tune. Maybe you have a banged up, beat up guitar. It doesn't even have all the strings. That's okay. Maybe you have a brand new car, but there's a vibration. Maybe you have a car that doesn't even have wheels. It's a problem, but it's okay. We're going to ask God and trust God to come and speak into the areas of dissonance into our hearts. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that moves along the ground. 
The beginning says, then God said, let us make mankind. So who make man? Who? Yeah, it's an open book test, this one. You guys can all pass. Who made man? It was God. Oh, so it's not your name that stands there. It's not your boss's name, your spouse's name, your girlfriend's name, your boyfriend's name, your neighbor's name, the president's name. It's God. So God made man in his image. And this will be one of the greatest tests for your Christian faith. Are you willing to surrender your life under the one who created you? Are you willing to allow him to shape what your life should look like? If he is the designer, then he gets to tell you what your life was meant for. And in every area of your life where we are not in alignment with what God says over us, there will be a dissonance. There will be a vibration, a friction. And every area of your life might be going great. You've got a job, you've got a car, you've got whatever you need. It's like, I, I, I can go on holiday if I want to go on holiday. But something just doesn't sit right. And three things we're going to touch on tonight, next week, and the following week that has been amplified, exposed, or elevated during COVID is to feel. And we're going to touch on it now that we either live on one of two extremes often. The one is where we suppress all of our feelings. So we become numb to emotion or we are completely led by our emotions. And that just gets weird, right? Anyone agree? When you are just running rampant with your emotions. Okay. And all the men are like, yeah, <laughs> speaking about us, right? Okay. Then next week we're going to speak about connecting again. So we lived in a socially distant society long before COVID. COVID just gave us an excuse. We build high walls so that we don't have to know our neighbors that well. We get to distance ourselves from the problems in the world because I get to escape to my home and here I'm safe. The, the church community looks a lot different to what the church community looked like in Acts 2 and Acts 4. Um, and we're going to touch again on what was God's original design because if we're not in alignment with his design, there will be a dissonance. All right, everybody say dissonance. It's a lack of word, eh? Dissonance. Okay. And then the last week, we're going to speak about leading again. That God has called us to be shapers and influencers. Um, one of the things that South Africans are really good at is we, we endure. We don't give up. You don't just get us down. And the president might make an announcement on COVID. And while he is still speaking, there's already a meme circulating social media. All right. I saw one in this week where they were saying that ESCOM has discovered that the power has not been off, off for more than a week and they're looking into the problem. <laughs> like, we just adapt and then we make a meme about it, right? Now, that's great. We have a, we have a never say die attitude, but we become passive. And we don't do anything about what is wrong in the world. And part of our created design is to be change agents, to be influencers, to be shapers of what society looks like. And that's what we're going to speak about the third week. So before we continue, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of love, that you love us deeply, that you love us unconditionally. And right now in this space, you are creating a place for us to be deeply loved by you. We make a decision, Lord, to let down our guards. 
We let down our fists. And we want to allow you, Lord, with your love to come and just reveal yourself to us in a very deep and personal way. Amen. Amen. All right, so feelings. Whom of you have feelings? Good. I'm on, Ziziwe. You're owning that one, all right? Anyone else likes Ziziwe? Like, yep, I got them. <laughs> I, some of the, the people on my team, they're like, when I talk to them, it's like, oh, my word, I'm going to cry again. I'm like, I'm not that bad of a person. <laughs> you just have feelings. Um, so we have feelings, right? And currently you are navigating your feelings in a way, but we're going to take a deeper look at those feelings. So imagine you are on a Euro, Europe trip. Okay, who of you have been to Europe? Okay, so it doesn't work so much in South Africa because all of our streetlights aren't on, so my example won't work. But you're walking down the street and it's safe to walk outside and you're walking home. But to your left, there's this alleyway that's a shortcut. Now, why would you want to take a long cut if you can take a shortcut, right? So there's a shortcut, but it's dark. And now you're contemplating, should I take this shortcut or should I take the normal way which is lit up and then go home or should I go this way? And then you have this twinge of fear in your heart and it tells you that you should be cautious, all right? And it tells you that your emotions actually have a purpose. It serves as a warning. It serves as a guideline to tell you, hey, this is maybe not the best decision that you'll ever make. So that, that emotion that you face is good. And again, sometimes our emotions um, want to lead us away from danger. They want to tell us that you um, should express something that you maybe don't want to express, but they all have a different place and a different purpose. But we don't always know how to manage our emotions, all right? We don't always know how to understand our emotions. We don't always understand or know how to handle them correctly. And if you think about your own life over the last two years, how has COVID affected your emotions? Maybe you've had to process loss, that you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost just a way of living, a lifestyle, or you've had to process grief. Maybe you've had to process financial fear, loneliness. But all of the things that happen around us, they have an impact and an influence on what's happening in your emotional state, right? Maybe you can relate to some of these what ifs. What if I don't make it at my job? My spouse is running late. What if something happened to him or her? What are people thinking of me? What if I don't fit in? What if I don't belong? What if I'm not accepted? What if I never get married? What if something is wrong with my child? Or what if blank? What is your what if that you are currently sitting with? What is that thing that is currently mulling around in your emotions, in your thought life, that does also have a controlling effect on your life? And then two responses we have, like I said earlier. The one is the extreme of turning off our emotions. So when we turn our emotions off, we feel something that we do not want to feel again. That makes sense. All right? So you don't want to feel this way again, so we turn off our emotions. But unless we handle 
or deal with our emotions, then we harden to that emotion, but we also callous to one another. We harden to one another. Now, what that means is you become numb to a specific emotion. You cannot feel it anymore, and there's reason for that. So when you get hurt over and over and over again, obviously you want to start to protect yourself from feeling that way again, and you shut down in that area. But that emotion, remember emotion in itself is neutral, but then it has a a negative or a positive way that we deal with it. But that emotion gets shut down, so neither can you now receive the negative, but you also cannot receive the positive. But you can also not give it anymore. And then the moment we stop giving emotions to one another, we become numb to our relationships. And you often see this in dating or marital relationships where there's a break in emotional connection, in emotional intimacy. We shut down to the other person and you're able to make it work physically for a season. Like we substitute the emotional connection with the physical connection, but not too long then you realize, oh, this doesn't really satisfy me. This isn't all that I need and I feel empty again and I realize I need emotional and spiritual intimacy as much as I need physical intimacy in my life. But we've shut down in certain areas. The other thing that we try to do is we try to keep ourselves excessively busy so that I just don't have to deal with my emotions. Yes, there's a lot happening in my life and I need to actually process some things, but uh, I don't have time right now. And we keep ourselves busy. We add things to our lives so that we don't have to um, yeah, deal with our emotions. Hard hearts are numb and beaten down. Um, and when our hearts are hard, it's because we've been through pain. When your heart has been hurt and there's been pain involved, it becomes hard. And then it becomes void of emotion. But having a hard heart doesn't mean that you're evil. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Because sometimes you can shut down your emotions in a way to protect yourself. And then you become unemotional to things around you. Not just people, situations. Things happen in the news and you're like, huh. And we become numb to what's real around us. And then people can say, oh, there's no compassion in that person's life. They must have a cold heart. How many of you have been accused of that? Don't have to raise your hands, guys. This is <laughs> having a hard heart is not evil. It just means that you've went through stuff, but you didn't know how to process it correctly, and you didn't take it to God. The second extreme is we are led by our feelings. Now, this is bad because your emotions aren't always true. What you feel is not always true. Yes, women have this sixth sense intuition, and 99% of the time my wife's intuition is true, but that 1%. (laughs) What you and I feel is not always true. And if you've ever read a WhatsApp message from someone, and I mean, did you hear their tone of voice, the way that they said that WhatsApp message? So we impose emotion based on our own hearts. There's this filter by which we perceive everything that happens around us. But not everything that we feel is true. Our emotions are often irrational. And our emotions often choose short-term gain versus the long-term gain. 
And then the effect of that is, yes, you might have that moment of satisfaction now where you have that anger outburst or that moment of revenge or whatever it is that you might be acting out in your emotions, but you cause long-term harm. We hurt relationships, we go into isolation, and, and this is then the big one, we exit a greater work of God. You see, God is at work in your life. God is at work in your life, and God is sovereign. So that means, and this is maybe a hard one for us to understand or swallow, God either allows it or He does it, but He's not absent to what's happening in your life. Now that opens another can of worms of questions, but that's for another time. God is at work in your life, and when we act out on our emotions and we choose to get the short-term satisfaction or gratification that I want now, I'm exiting a work that God wants to come and do in my life. Now the good news is there is a better way. Genesis 1.26, we'll go to it again. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. It's still an open book, open book test. Okay. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So the first point for tonight is, God is a God of emotion and feeling. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that He is a God of emotion and feeling because you were created and designed in His image. Therefore, you have emotions and feelings. So your emotions are not wrong. There's not something wrong with you. You are not broken because you have emotions. You might be extremely emotional. There's a word for that. Um, I call it a drama llama. <laughs> but that's my word, okay. Um, but you're not broken just because you have emotions and feelings. You were designed and created, fashioned in the image of God who also has emotions and feelings. There's a ton of scripture, and some of them are on the board, that just shows us that God is a God of emotions. He had anger, compassion, grief, love, hate, jealousy, joy. So these are all part of God's characteristics, His emotions and feelings that He expressed. In John 11:35, you get this memorable scripture. All of you can memorize this one for tonight. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The perfect man, God himself, Jesus, wept. In the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, Jesus says to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is our Savior. This is our King. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world who is raised up, seated alongside, uh, seated in on the heavenly seat, ruling over the universe. And he came to a place where he said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Would you stay here with me? So we were fashioned in his image, in his design. So it's okay for us to have emotions. It's okay for us to show feelings. Secondly, our feelings are valid. I said earlier that not all of our feelings are true, but they're always valid. What you feel is always valid. Why? Because you are valuable. You are valuable to God. Your feelings are valid. They might not always be true, but they are valid. 
and therefore they always deserve attention in the sense that we at least hear one another out. So your feelings are valid. They reveal to us what is important to us. When you act out emotionally or you have this emotion stirring in your heart, they reveal to you something that is important to you. In our one training called Gospel-Centered Living, we speak about a couple of emotions and what they possibly can tell you, and they're on the board. So anxiety is often a sign that something you want is threatened. Okay, something you want is being threatened. Bitterness, often directed towards someone that stopped me from getting what I wanted. Fear, often a sign that someone is trying to take from me the thing that I want. Anger, often the result of someone blocking me from the thing that I want. And rejection, often the result of someone withholding what I want. So they have the ability to give it, but they choose not to. So your feelings, your feelings and emotions have purpose because they're trying to tell you something deeper. And when we suppress them, we do not get to go where our feelings actually want to take us to bring healing in specific areas of our lives. Now that brings us to the third point. God is a safe place for our feelings. God is a safe place for our feelings. The story of Jacob is, a, is an incredible story of God inviting Jacob to come and wrestle with him and to bring all of his emotions to the extent where they're wrestling all night and then God put his hip out of place that he had to limp away. But he was wrestling with God and he, and he was crying out and said, God, I will not leave you until you bless me. Because there was something in Jacob's life, in his heart, that he said, I desire something that only God can give me and I'm not going to leave this place until you do it. So God invites Jacob to wrestle with him. The story of Job. None of us have gone through what Job has gone through. And then God allows Job to come and have this conversation with him, to argue with him. He puts him in place. I always say to myself, myself, you can argue with God, but the end result is you will repent. But I can still argue with God because he allows me to come into his presence and be real, be vulnerable. I don't need to pretend. I don't need to be fake. I don't need to impress. I don't need to, imp to perform in his presence. Now God says to Jacob, where were you, Jacob, when I, uh, Job, when I formed the universe? Where you, were you when I put everything in place? So he puts him in his right place, but he allows Job to be vulnerable and honest before for him. And it happens in the space of God's unconditional love towards you. That God loves you. God unconditionally loves you. The Bible says that before the foundation of the earth, He chose you in Him. So He has a plan for your life. He chose you. He desires you. He pursues you. And His unconditional love directed towards you creates a space for you to be 100% authentic. You can freak out in God's presence. You know, sometimes there's a, a space where... Um, yeah, like you, you have these emotions and it's either directed towards people, like whether it's anxiety towards a situation or fear, anger, bitterness. Sometimes you even have an anger directed towards God, all right? Like God did not come through in a way that you've wanted him to come through. And maybe you've had an unanswered prayer. Um, if you've ever had unanswered prayer, it does um, develop a disappointment in your heart. And it's normal 
um, for my wife and, and I, we have a couple of unanswered prayers. Some of them have become no's and some of them are still in limbo. Um, and it's normal for you to, in that moment, feel disappointed. We're not trying to build this fake Christianity. We're like, God is good. And then you guys say, all the time, come on, praise the Lord. Life is good. Okay, blessings upon blessings. Always smiling because the Lord is good. We're not trying to, to, to have this fake platform for Christianity where we're pretending that everything in life is always okay and everything is great. Everything is not great. There's real stuff happening in the world. There's real stuff happening in our hearts. And when you put out your expectation for something and it doesn't happen, it's human for you to feel disappointed. It's normal for you to face disappointment. It's normal for you to become angry. It's normal for you to be sorrowful, to um, have that space where you're like, I'm really angry now towards someone or even God. And God allows you to freak out in His presence. When you're around the campfire with your friends, you'll use words that you're not allowed to say in church. But when you're in God's presence, He knows what you're thinking, so you might as well just say it. He knows it anyway. <laughs> I want to challenge you. Can you be 100% vulnerable in God's presence? Some of you need to freak out a bit. It's like when you, you, you go and you have your quiet time. I don't know what you look like when you have your quiet time, but you're sitting down or lying on your bed and you're like, Lord. And you read your psalm and you quote the psalm and like, Lord, I just love you so much. But your thoughts is saying, God, I'm really disappointed and angry with you. I don't even really want to be here, but my connective leader is going to ask me, did you read your Bible this week? <laughs> don't laugh, Vina, and you're the connective leader. <laughs> it's okay for you to go sit with God and say, God, I have zero desire to spend time now with you because I'm angry. But I need you to show up. I need you to pitch up in my hurt, in my anger. We often feel we need to hide our emotions because of shame. That we feel guilty. We feel ashamed of what we've done or what has happened to us. Previous disappointments, rejection. So we feel the need to hide our emotions from God, but definitely from one another. We often feel the need to be controlled by our emotions or led by our emotions because of independence. We want to control the narrative. We want to determine what the outcome must look like. Oh, friends, we struggle with control. <laughs> we struggle to let go. We struggle to trust God and allow Him to work the outcome. Um, we spoke to friends yesterday that was like having car problems. And the whole week he was battling not to phone the people to try and take the situation in his own hands. Like, just phone them. Hey, where's my car? <laughs> we struggle with that. We struggle to really let go and say, God, I'm going to give this one to you. And I'm going to trust that you'll work it out for your good, which is then also for my good. And then we can also feel that no one else is fighting for me, so I have to do this on my own. Like, if I don't handle this, if I don't respond to this, if I don't um, act on this, no one else will. No one else is fighting for me. I need to do it. I'm alone. 
So God is creating a safe place for our emotions, but he also gets to the deeper things that our emotions are trying to tell us. In the same way, when there's pain in your body and your pain in your body is trying to tell you, hey, pay attention, there's something else that's wrong. In the same way, your emotions serves like a warning light or a guiding light to say, hey, pause here. Give attention here. And then in these broken areas of our lives, when we allow God, he identifies lies and then he replaces them with a greater truth. We often have these undealt with emotions because we're still believing lies, either about ourselves or about God or about people or about the church. And God wants to get into those areas and dig out those lies so that he can replace them with truths. He wants to take your shame and your guilt and cover it with his love. And he wants to take your disappointment and turn it into hope. God's primary agenda always is to call you unto himself. Before he wants to fix your problem, he wants to get you closer to him. That's his agenda. He has a desire for you. Now, some of you might say, God, I am not worthy of being loved to that extent. Would you just fix the problem? Now, praise God that he doesn't give in to our tantrums. He's still pursuing your heart because he determines whether you are worth fighting for or not. He determines whether you're valuable or not. Nothing that you've done or what has been done to you determines your worth. God does. And then based on that, he acts and he says, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you. And I'm going to pursue you. When life is hard, we question God. Why would he allow it? And then in that moment of pain, in that moment of disappointment, in that moment of waiting, in that moment of hurt, when you do not get to see the outcome, it's difficult. When you find yourself not ashore, when, what is it like when you're in the ocean? Adrift, okay? Think about it. You're adrift, but you do not see land yet. That's a difficult place to be. All of us can probably look back at things that didn't work out the way we wanted them to work out, but we can see God's hand and say, yeah, God, you knew better. All right, you made the right choice. Great, I can trust you. But when you're in the darkness, when you're in the doubt, when you're in the confusion, when you're in the pain, when you're in the suffering, when you're in the waiting, that's when it's tough. Because we can't see the greater work that God might be preparing for us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So he's calling us to a place where he's saying we're not like those who have no hope. Because Jesus died and rose again, and in the same way, he will resurrect us with him. We have a hope. We have a hope. 2 Corinthians 4, 14 to 16, Paul writes and says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is working in you and me for eternity's sake. And this will be one of your greatest challenges and tests in your Christian faith. 
Can you trust God and allow Him to do a work for eternity's sake in your life? And friends, God is patient. Sometimes you go to the shopping mall and then there's parents of children and then the child says, I want a sweetie. And then the dad says, no. And then the, the, the child throws a tantrum and the dad says, okay, fine, take the sweet. I mean, we don't have time for this tantrum right now. Just take the sweet. We'll deal with it at home. God is patient. God has got time. <laughs> he's got time because he's preparing your heart for eternity, not just for now. He's fighting for your intimacy for eternity, not just for now. He's working in you a greater glory for eternity's sake, not just for now. And when you and I learn and discipline ourselves to bring our emotions into the presence of God, and we need to, when you have that emotion, that emotion itself is not wrong. The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So when you have that emotion, it means you are human. Don't suppress it. Don't push it down. Don't try and ignore it because it will pop out. And then often when that emotional burst comes out, then there's drama. But don't freak out in the moment on your emotions. Take that emotion and bring it into the presence of God. And this is your safe zone where you can voice it just as it is. You don't have to find the right Christian words. You don't have to go and look for a Bible verse to quote before you can be real with God. Be real with God. Bring yourself to Him and allow Him to come and speak into your life and let Him show you where your emotions wants to take you because He wants to work in that area of your life. He wants to heal. Any suppressed emotion, any area of our emotions that we are not dealing with properly will, in, will have a controlling or a, a bondage effect on your life. There will be a dissonance. As long as we either suppress our emotions or are continually being led by our emotions, our feelings, there will be a dissonance, a friction. And you will remain in bondage to that emotion. It will control you. And we all know the effect of our emotions often on our relationships, specifically those closest to us. God wants to come and do a freeing work. And then the last point, and I'm going to ask Austin to... Come and do magic. Where is Austin? There he is. The power of shared feelings. The power of shared feelings. God does not call us to feel alone. He calls us into community. As every nation, we have this tagline that says, we are a disciple-making family. Right? We are a disciple-making family. What does that mean? It means that we actually want to respond to Jesus' invitation in Mark 1 that says, come, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Matthew 28, when Jesus says, okay, all authority has been given unto me. Now go and make disciples. Why? Because Jesus has a desire for every single person to come unto Him. To come to Him. To find Him as their place of refuge. Psalm 62, 5-8 says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. 
My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him. Pour out your hearts to Him. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. That is God's desire for you, but that is God's desire for every single person. So He calls us to be a disciple-making church where we choose to follow Jesus so that He can work His will into our lives. But He calls us to help others. In the same way that you are going through stuff, if COVID has taught us anything, everybody's going through something. And God calls us to be a church that is not so focused just on ourselves, but that we'll go to others and help them. But we're a disciple-making family. God calls us to be in community, to be together, that you don't have to suffer alone, that you don't have to wrestle alone. And the enemy wants to come and shame you. He wants to lie to you. And he says, if they know this about you, they will exclude you. If they know this about you, they might judge you. What has happened is because of what you've done. The enemy is all of these tricks, but it's in being family to one another. And will you be hurt here? Will you be disappointed here? Yeah, because we're human and we make mistakes and we don't always take our emotions to God. We do act out on them. But can we grow together? where there's a, an emotion or a, a, an anger, a bitterness, an unforgiveness that you are harboring, that you're not dealing with, you remain in bondage. You're in that prison and that thing will continue to have control or dominion over you. It will lead your life and then that will affect your future. But when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable here, to love here, to care here, to feel here. God can start to work with whatever we bring to Him. So I want us to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, would you just come and rest? on our hearts right now. While we were praying before the service, I felt specifically for us as an evening service, God wants to come and set you up so that your future can look different. But there is a place where He's calling you to an emotional maturity. He's calling you to a place of, of emotional maturity. Would you stop giving in to your emotions and allowing your emotions to tell you what is true and what is not? And would you discipline yourself to bring yourself into the presence of God so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you, the Spirit of truth. And this is the promise. If you will allow God to do a work now, you will save yourself a lot of heartache and brokenness in your future.
Some of you that are single, that are not married, if you will allow God to come and do a deep work now, you might just save your marriage. Some of you are holding on to stuff and God is saying to you, your wrestle is not with that person, your wrestle is actually with me. You are not willing to come to me. I am your barrier. Unless you come to me and you lay it down, that thing will keep on having a power over you. Some of you have been hurt or disappointed by people. God is saying that even that, He allowed it, but He is asking whether you're willing to come to Him so that He can heal. Some of the things that God allows in your life might hurt momentarily, but He is working for you a far greater glory if you are willing to come to Him. How's your heart towards people? Are there maybe people that you need to forgive tonight? The Bible says that if we do not forgive, that then we ourselves will not be forgiven. So there's an extent of God's forgiveness that you will not experience because we're withholding forgiveness from other people. And if you need to forgive, won't you set free tonight? you're here tonight and you're not at peace with God you don't know whether you are saved you don't know whether you are born again you you know, know maybe a lot of the Christian language and you've been in church but as you sit here tonight you are not sure whether you are born again but tonight you want to surrender to God's unconditional love for you and his sufficiency on the cross would you just raise your hand Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask that we pray a prayer together, but as a church. And we're going to pray this in faith with those who responded tonight. Let's just pray with me, Lord Jesus. Tonight, I bring my heart to you. I surrender. I let go. And I choose to trust you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you saved me. And thank you that your blood washed me clean. choose tonight to lay my life down to follow you would you come and fill me with your spirit and teach me what it looks like to follow you 
Lord, I pray that right now, just for every single person that is has responded now or that is just working through something now, Holy Spirit, would you come and do a, a sealing work, a protecting work. We thank you, Lord, that you are a safe place for our emotions and our feelings. And I thank you, Lord, that even tonight you have taken off some of the scabs where we've become numb and that you allow us to feel afresh. If you know that you've been numbing yourself to emotions, would you just raise your hand? keep it up because we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and move in your heart so just pray this with me Holy Spirit fill me up fill me up right now Thank you, Lord, that you come and wash over our hearts and that you open some of those places where we've become numb. But I thank you, Lord, that even as that becomes vulnerable, that we are reminded that you are a safe place. And thank you that we're not called to do this alone. Lord, would you teach us to trust one another? Would you teach us to take a risk on relationships, take a risk on spiritual family, to take a risk on church. Amen.